Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, living from the center. That's our theme. And I wonder, even as we've begun today, what the Holy Spirit is inviting you into right now. What has been in your mind and in your heart? What has stood out to you? Maybe from the scripture, maybe from the song we've sung. But what's the Holy Spirit's invitation to you today? Let's read Romans 8 again. I know that might be more than we normally do, but I'm convinced today that the Holy Spirit has an invitation to make to you through this scripture. And I don't want my words to get in the way. And so, again, I invite you to sit quietly and receive another reading of the same passage from Romans 8. Here it is again. Close your eyes if you'd like. Hold open your hands and receive this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You know, last week we located the epicenter. The epicenter of the greatest news of all time, that through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross, quote, God declared an end to sin's control over us. 
And that's why Paul can declare with such confidence that anyone who belongs to Jesus, anyone who said yes to Jesus, anyone who has placed their faith in what Jesus has done for them, his sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, anyone who says yes to him is condemnation free. There's no condemnation now. This is so powerful. So what does it mean then to live from this center? Because this end to sin's control isn't just theoretical. It's not just a nice idea. It's not just describing something futuristic. The end of sin's control over us impacts us now, here, in the relationships of your life, in your workplace, your school, your neighbor, in your mind, your heart, your body. Because what God did for us through Jesus moved us from condemnation to freedom, And then God put himself inside of us. I mean, there's a theme running through this passage. You heard it, that Christ is living in us. The Spirit is living in us. God himself has taken up residence in our lives. We've been given a whole new operating system. We're now hooked into an entirely different power source that directly impacts our way of living in relationship with him and with others. Did you hear that as we read these verses? I mean, it really stands out, doesn't it? We're told that this internal power shift now shows up in the very ways that we think, the the very things that dominate our heart and our mind the very things that then play out in how we act, how we live. And so Paul sets up this contrast, doesn't he? He's famous for his contrasts. We see it a lot through Romans. You see it a lot in his writings. But he sets up this contrast here again uh, to the way we used to be. And when we were, you know, helplessly enslaved to sin, when the, when the, when the sinful nature, the sin patterns had control over us, total sway, He sets up a contrast to that with the way we are now because the Spirit of God lives in us, because sin's control has been ended, because we are condemnation-free. He sets up these very stark contrasts. You heard them. Verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. In other words, that's their focus. That's their attention. That's what's going on and on in their minds and their hearts. That's what directs their lives. And we're going to have to say this again, but... We think sinful nature. We think sinful things. But um, it's not just the classic sinful things. It's actually anything that does not lead to life and, and, and good for others and glory to God. Anything that isn't in line with God's ultimate purposes. So it's not just the, the, you know, the, the obvious sins, but anything that distracts us from that. He says that's what the sinful nature gets us to think about all the time. It dominates our hearts and minds. He said, but those who are controlled by the Spirit Think about things that please the Spirit. See the contrast he's setting there? It's very practical, actually. I mean, it immediately applies to our lives. 
that what God has done for us in Jesus has a direct effect on what his concern, uh, you know, what his kids are concerned about. Has a direct effect on what his people are are looking for, are going after, what dominates their hearts and their minds, what they pursue, what orients their lives. It's a fundamental shift in their whole way of thinking. It's really stark. Living from a center that is controlled by the Spirit means that we're being led by God himself to pursue the things that please him. It's a wonderfully challenging question that you can discuss with a spiritual partner or bring to the Lord in prayer. I mean, to ask yourself, I think it's important, what does dominate my thoughts? Like, what am I focused on? What takes up space in my heart and my mind? I mean, it could be a particular addiction that that seems to always be dominating my heart and mind. It, it, It could be a particular relationship. It could be just a constant worry, pervasive anxiety. It could be pursuing certain goals. I don't know, but to ask the question is quite powerful. And to discuss that with a spiritual friend, there's some real uh, power in that conversation. So you could actually have a little focus audit. I encourage you to do so. To start maybe listing. What are the things that occupy a lot of my headspace? Is it positive prayer and and, 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 and thinking about how I can empower and encourage others? Or, or am I swirling with anxious negativity? Um, what is it that dominates my heart and mind? Do discuss that with a friend. Do take that to the Lord in prayer. You can just pray very simply, Lord Jesus, I want to think thoughts that please you. So by your Spirit, help me to identify the ways my mind can shift to things that aren't pleasing to you. Because now I'm under the control of the Spirit and I want to be led by you. So you just make a simple prayer like that. Because the effects are real. The effects are palpable. Look what Paul does next. He's still painting a very stark contrast. He says, verse 6, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Very stark. He's setting up a contrast to where we're being led, depending on who we follow. And he explains that because the sinful nature is hostile to God. It always has been, always will be. So when you're under the control of that, it's not going anywhere good. In fact, it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy relationships. It's going to lead you to not the places God desires for you, but rather away. But, verse 9, But, and this but really matters, this but turns everything. This is like the gospel but. You could preach a sermons, you could preach a series of of messages on all the buts of the Bible that matter. And here's where the turning point is. But, Paul says, you are not controlled by the sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if, and I don't do this often with you, pull out the Greek, but the if here can be just as easily translated since. In other words, the word here, if, 
is it assumes the truth of the statement, okay? So I could read it just as accurately. You are controlled by the Spirit since you have the Spirit of God living in you. It assumes the truth of it, okay? And this is important because Paul's trying to make this stark contrast not to make you think, oh no, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not. You know, I struggle with sin or I, sometimes I worry and so maybe the Spirit of God isn't living. That's not what he's doing here. He's trying to set up a contrast, absolutely convinced that the people who are reading this letter have the Holy Spirit of God living in them. They've said yes to Jesus. They said yes to the work of the Holy Spirit. God has come into them. He's acknowledging the struggle, but he's saying everything has changed because you are not controlled by your sinful nature. More on this to come. But it's important to recognize this is a critical statement. This actually informs so much of our lives as Christians that we understand what we are not because of now what we are. This is important. It's very practical. Maybe you can identify a struggle in your life. Maybe it's that you're constantly worrying about, well, your bank account. Or maybe you're, you're constantly obsessing about the state of the world. Or maybe it's a struggle with a pornography addiction. Or, or maybe it's pervasive anger. I don't know what it is. It could also be that your life is just constantly caught up with things that don't matter. Not ultimately. But when you identify those things, when, when God helps you see them, or through the conversation with a spiritual friend, you begin to realize, oh, that's what's going on here. You are invited at that moment to recognize, oh, that's what I'm not, because this is who I am. And so I invite you, actually, a very practical tool for those times when you might be struggling. You can say, looking worry in the face, and say, I am no longer controlled by my worry. I am controlled by the Spirit of God who gives me peace. I am no longer controlled by lust. I am under the control of the Holy Spirit who is pure. I am no longer controlled by anger. I am under the Spirit's control who fills me with his love. Look the struggle in the face and name what is true. That's powerful. Very, very powerful because you're speaking truth into your life, into your situation. The Holy Spirit lives in you. and Because of that, the balance of power has shifted. It's kind of like going down to the kids' park and you, you can put a bunch of kids on the end of a teeter-totter, but then one of the big dads comes along and sits on the other side and all the little kids go flying up. This is essentially what's happened. The Holy Spirit has moved in and there's nothing that's heavier than him. The balance of power has shifted in our lives. And there's nothing these little kids on the end of the teeter-totter can do to get themselves down because that big dad's on the other side. This is what happens in our lives. There's no condemnation because you belong to Christ. You're now empowered by the Holy Spirit who's living within you. And, And not just the balance of power, but the source of power itself has changed. It's like the difference between an electric and a diesel engine, that is, a vehicle. 
we know electric cars are all the rage these days. Us in our household, we love to watch the latest thing that's going on with Tesla or trucks or whatever. It's cool stuff, right? But just imagine that God the mechanic came into the shop on the weekend and unbeknownst to you, swapped out your diesel engine with something electric. You got in the next day to drive the truck and realized something has changed. But guess what? Not just will the drive be different, but the whole way that you fuel up will be different now. It's not going to work for you to drive up to the diesel pump and try to put some more diesel in this brand new engine, is it? No. Everything has changed. You've got to now access an entirely different energy source because the engine is now different. That's what's going on here. The Spirit of God in us now provides a whole alternate power source because we ourselves have been changed by what God has done for us in Jesus and by coming to live in us himself. Whose we are determines everything about us now. Whose we are has always determined everything about us, but knowing now that we are God's, everything has changed. Well, Paul has that little reminder just remember, those who don't have the Spirit of God don't, you know, don't have, don't belong to Christ. He just kind of, he's continuing to mark the contrast. He's continuing to remind us that this is what marks out a Christian believer. This is what marks out a person who follows God. It's not all these lists of rules they keep. It's not the way they dress or the little things they say. No. The only thing that marks out a follower of Jesus is the presence of God's Holy Spirit, which then leaks out in everything that they do. But what about sin's continued effects? Because in spite of all these things, the alternate power source, God's spirit living in you, ending sin's control, ending we still live in broken bodies, don't we? We still live in a sin-ravaged world. We still experience ongoing suffering. We still have a daily tug, a daily struggle with sin. What about it? Well, the answer now Paul moves to is for us to remember, (laughs) maybe more accurately, to grab hold of and hold on to Jesus' resurrection, the resurrection of Christ. Listen listen to what he says. Verse 10. And Christ lives within you so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. What's the answer to the struggle? Paul's saying, hold on to the resurrection. But not just as a future thing. So here's the beauty. Here's what's going on in Paul. This is all over in the New Testament letters that he wrote. What he he wants us to understand is the Holy Spirit took the future resurrection of Jesus, of, of us, sorry. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our future resurrection. But the Holy Spirit takes that And he drags it into our present. That the resurrected Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is now living in you. That the same Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead is now living in you. In other words, though we have yet to experience full resurrection, the resurrection of our bodies, which we will someday experience, the Holy Spirit drags that into our present now because he moved in himself. He who is the resurrection and the life lives in us now. And Paul invites us to hold on to that right in the midst of the struggle, right in the midst of a, of a body that's breaking down, 
right in the midst of a struggle with temptation, to remember whose we are, but also whose inside. The resurrection and the life. And if he's present, we can be assured of what he not only will do now, but what he will do in the future. So it gives us incredible hope, but also power for living. Verse 12, therefore. Therefore, and this is where this has all been going, this is the point, you know, sin no longer controls us, the Holy Spirit does. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, listen to this, friends, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No obligation. No obligation. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. That's, that's the way that, that leads. Sin leads to death. But if by the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. There is so much here, but I want to focus in on one thing. What's urging you? Our urges, the things that seem to compel us, they form the center of us, don't they? I mean, maybe not the ultimate center, but the center of our day, our our thoughts, our lives, our our actions. We often operate from the place of the urge, the the thing we think we need to do, or the thing I have to get done, or the the thing that compels me to act, or, or not act, or whatever it is. What urges you, or what urges form the center of your life? What urges do you feel that draw you away from God, away from his desires? What is the Holy Spirit urging you to do? I mean, when you think about the center, is it that I'm always angling toward my own comfort? Or is the Holy Spirit urging me toward service? Do I feel a pull to think negatively about others? Maybe something I've seen online or a conversation I heard. Or is the Holy Spirit urging me to think about how I could empower or encourage someone today? Is it that there are certain addictions, food, or, or maybe alcohol, or whatever, that, that are constantly gnawing at me. But also the Holy Spirit's invitation to choose life, to choose health, to choose stewardship of my body and my mind. Perhaps there's a constant pull toward security when the Holy Spirit might be inviting us to sacrifice. There's another very practical tool here at the end, isn't there? Because what we discover in here is the power of saying no and saying yes. Growing our no while pursuing our yes. There's something in here of an invitation from the Holy Spirit to strengthen both of our no and our yes muscles. We're, we're told that we're under no obligation to follow these urges from the sinful, but also to put to death the deeds that used to characterize 
our lives. And I want to invite you to consider that these are where many of the classic Christian spiritual disciplines, this is where they sit in our lives. This helps us. Um, Disciplines like fasting, like uh, keeping a Sabbath of some kind, um, like regular scripture, uh, reading, study, meditation, prayer, maybe breath prayer, centering prayer, the place of spiritual friendship. All these classic spiritual disciplines, there are many, journaling. They all serve to strengthen both our no and our yes muscles. That the Spirit leads us, actually, to actively begin saying yes and no more and more. But our no, the things we're going to be, begin to resist, put to death, say no to, that's actually not what forms our focus. What we, what we begin to do is we begin to say no to things because we're saying more and more of a yes to the Spirit's leadership in our lives. That the more we're saying yes to the Spirit's leadership, we'll discover more power to say no. And these spiritual disciplines help us grow in that. Our no is always formed, first of all, by God's yes to us in Jesus. God said yes to you in Jesus. He said yes to your freedom. He said yes to your life. He said yes that you can walk condemnation free. He said yes to your resurrection. God said yes to you. So our no to the things that lead to death is because of God's yes to us. But also our no to those things that bring bring us down or destroy others, destroy ourselves, It's also formed by our yes to Jesus. We've said yes to his work for us. We said yes by placing our faith in him. So it's both God's yes to us and our yes in return that then form the strength of our no to put to death the deeds that we formally pursued. We say no to anger because Jesus said yes to us and he ended anger's control over our lives. We say no to lust because the Spirit said yes to our resurrection and he ended that control over our bodies. We say no to addiction because the Father has released us from prison. He said yes to our freedom and he ended food's power or alcohol's power over our lives. And because of his yes, we can say no. This is why... Um, through our reimagination series, I, I encourage you to form a rule of life that in the rule of life, there were certain rhythms, certain habits, certain disciplines that, that became part of our lives that helped us remember and strengthen our yes, but also our no. And that's why some of the classic spiritual disciplines like fasting um, are, are, are focused on self-denial on saying no to something, in this case, good, food. Um, We say no to something in order to say yes. And it strengthens our ability. It strengthens our insensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It strengthens our self-control, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, by saying no to something intentionally for the sake of saying yes to God. And that's why we want to continue to include these kinds of practices in our lives, in our rule of life. Because We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to live from the center of God's control in our lives.
which as Paul has said very clearly here, leads us ultimately to life, leads us to flourishing, leads us to God's very best. We live from a new center, a power center, a center led by God's Holy Spirit. Well, as we finish today, it it, it made me think, how do we do this at the same time? Like, how do you say no and how to say yes? Well, in the story of Scripture, saying yes and no at the very same time can be captured in the word repent, the word follow me, or maybe the word surrender. And as I was praying and reflecting on this, I thought, it would be a great response song for us is to sing that song, I Surrender All. Because it's in that act of surrender that we're both saying no and yes. And so I invite you to respond today to what we've heard, what we've seen, what the Holy Spirit is inviting you into today as we sing together, I Surrender All. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.